Hey there. You know what drives me crazy? Well, I'm going to tell you. Welcome to Clienting. Hey everyone. Welcome to the Clienting Podcast, the podcast for anyone who wants to work better with their creative partners, uh, understand how creative people think and act and do what they can to make the work better. Yeah. And on today's Clienting Podcast... You may not want to hear this, dear client, but I'm going to tell you anyway, you know? Today we're going to talk about the little things that clients do that drive us creative people absolutely nuts, okay? It's n no, it's, I'm, it's a judgment-free zone, okay? But I'm just telling you, I'm just trying to do the right thing and be really open and transparent with you, dear clients. Sometimes you just do the most irksome things okay and I'm just gonna I'm gonna lay it on the line for you okay in order to help you not drive your creative teams crazy okay and these are not things these are not the big things these are not the big things like not paying people or always fighting them on 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 estimates you know those are big things these are little things these are little things that that we're more than happy to overlook, but I just want, just need you to know that sometimes these things drive us just bonkers. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Okay, first up, you know when you're in a creative presentation and you've got three campaigns to choose from and you love them all and you wanna choose them all, so you basically tell your agency that you wanna combine all three. Or maybe you want to combine two of them. You know, I want the colors from this one and the headline from this one, but I really want the, the visual approach from this one. And I want the copy from this one, but I don't want the copy from that one. That drives us nuts. I call that smushing. It's when you take, you know, part of campaign A and smush it into part of campaign B. And, you know, it doesn't always drive me nuts. There are some times when, when a client says that, you know, absolutely, I'm certain that I thought of the same thing the day before we presented the work. You know, I'm, I'm sure I thought, you know what, these two campaigns visually are interchangeable if we wanted them to be. We could do this visual with this campaign. We could do these headlines with this campaign. You know, we've always thought those things through before we ever show you the work. And we've, you know, you've heard the phrase beating a dead horse when it comes to the creative that we show you, folks, um, we've already beaten that hit dead horse dead because the creative team has talked about it. The creative director has talked about it. The account team has talked about it. The media team has talked about it. The agency owners have talked about it. Everybody has had a chance to sort of beat that horse. So you know we've talked about smushing two campaigns together. The best way to handle that, if you have this desire to see, you know, part of campaign B married to part of campaign A, the best way to do that is to say, would it ruin everything if we took this part of campaign A and married it to this part of campaign B? Because then you're asking a question. Not only are you asking a question, you're asking a creative team their opinion. And they'll be honest with you. They might just say, you know, that's doable. Or they might say, you know, we thought about that, but this campaign really is, it's sort of married to a specific philosophy that that visual is not married to. So 
you, you never know. You might get pushed back or you might have the creative team say, yeah, we considered that and it's definitely something we can look at. Okay, so that's smushing. Sometimes that drives us crazy. I will be honest with you, but sometimes it doesn't. Next up, and this is, you know, this is not your fault. The, you People do this all the time. This happens in almost every aspect of life. But But sometimes it can be really infuriating, and that is... Sometimes clients ghost their ad agencies. And this is in the course of regular work that we're doing. Sometimes an agency needs an idea or some information to get the idea rolling or some data or some research. And the client is nowhere to be found, you know? And this is very different than the other kind of ghosting that happens in our our industry where we get hired to do something and then the client never sets up the first meeting. That's not, that's worse. Okay. I'm talking about work that is ongoing where you just need to have a back and forth with the client and the client's nowhere to be found for a week or more. You know, this happens to me twice a month. Okay. When you need some vital information and you just can't get it from the client, right? Or somebody drops the ball and you know, the client was supposed to deliver some financial information and they never did. It's just, it's just something that we have to deal with. I, I don't take it personally, right? But it does drive me crazy sometimes. Another thing that drives us creative people completely nuts, for good reason, is when a client gets some work in a creative presentation, they're very complimentary of it, they like it, we leave the boards behind when we go back to the agency and the client shows the work to everyone in the office and then asks their opinion and then bases their decision on the collective opinion of everyone in the office. Okay. The reason that is crazy making, the reason that is just not fair to the creative product is everyone in the office didn't read the creative brief. Everyone in the office wasn't in the input session. Everyone in the office doesn't really understand the creative philosophy that we've all decided upon when we started the project, right? So it's not fair to show the work to everyone in the office. And it's certainly not doing the work any respect if you allow your decision to be based on the opinions of people who had nothing to do with the process in the first place. Yeah, it's just not cool, right? Next up. And this is similar. It drives me crazy when clients insulate the creative team from the decision makers within the organization. Now, this may just be a protective instinct, okay? It, and it may be protecting the creative team from the, the anger or the unkindness of bosses that are, can be angry and unkind. And it might be protecting the bosses from the crazy creative people, you know? I mean, I can see I can see clients doing that. But if somebody is a decision maker, if they're going to make a decision on the creative approach that we are recommending to the client, then they should be within the process in the first place. They should be looking at the creative brief. They should be signing off on all of the ideas that we came up with and and none of what we deliver to them should be that much of a surprise. Okay. It might be unexpected, but it shouldn't be a surprise, you know? Um, cause oftentimes when 
Decision makers within a client company are insulated from the creative process. They look at something, it's brand new to them, it makes them uncomfortable, and they say no. Okay? If they had been brought along through the process from the beginning, then it, then they wouldn't be uncomfortable with that because I would have said early on in the process, hey, guess what? We're going to show you ideas that you're not expecting. We're going to show you ideas that are going to make you a little bit uncomfortable, but we hope that you are open-minded enough to look at them and to understand that these things are really going to help you when it comes to sales, when it comes to getting your audience to do the things we need them to do, right? So you can't really insulate the decision makers from the creative process without driving the creative team crazy because the result will always be more work, great ideas down the drain, that kind of thing. And that always drives creative people nuts. Next up, what drives us crazy? Starting a project and then not following through. Um, and, you know, the, the ball can be dropped at a bunch of different places along the path to starting a project. For example, you might call your freelance team in and say, we need a new brochure, right? And, the, and then the freelance team asks a bunch of questions about the new brochure, and they put together a quote. And the client never follows through on the quote for weeks, right? They, they look at the quote. They don't say, oh, that's too much. Oh, that's, not, that's more than I thought it would be. Oh, that, that's less than I thought it would be. They don't have any reaction to it. They just drop the ball, okay? That's happened to me. Um, it's also happened to me that I got the quote approved, and then we wrote a creative brief, and then the client never followed through on the creative brief, never reacted to it. You can't do creative until the client approves the creative brief. I've also been in a situation where we've gone through concepts and presented them to the client and nothing, nothing happens after that. The client doesn't follow through. There's, there's a reason why the campaign can't be done. And then, you know, six months later, you get an email that says, we're going to start a new campaign. That last one didn't work out. Da, 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 da. Right now, all this time we're billing for our time. But if there's one thing that makes creative people crazy it's doing work that has no chance of ever being produced. We love to do work and we'll do a lot of work that we know is not going to be produced, but we want to know that at least something is going to be produced. Um, when we create a lot of work and it just dies right then and there, that's very disheartening. Okay. Next up, this, this will drive anybody crazy. Okay. And this happens all the time. Okay. We'll start a project. We'll do some creative, we'll present it to the client, and the client will come back and not approve the creative based on something that was never in the creative brief, something that we had never heard of, something that was never brought up in the input session. When, you know, it's, it's a sin for creative people to go off brief, okay? Sometimes it's a forgivable sin. You know, if a creative team has a really great idea, they have to go off brief to make it, make it come to life. Sometimes you allow that, right? But when a client approves a creative brief and then doesn't approve creative because of something that was never on the creative brief and something that the creative team never understood in the first place, there's a disconnect there. That drives creative people nuts. And it happens all the time, you know? Sometimes something comes up, some client down the hall, you know, someone within the organization brings up a point that was never floated out there when we created the 
input session in the first place. That's that that will just oh boy, boy. You know, if I had a therapist, that's what I would talk to my therapist about every single time, you know. Okay, next. What else drives creative people crazy? Well, um this is this is sort of on the border between a big thing and a little thing. It can be a little thing, but um but it can also turn into a really big thing. It can be this a symptom that could blossom into something really ugly, you know, like an ugly flower. Um, and that is when a client wants more, but also wants to pay less. Okay. And I say this is a little thing because it's, it's really easy for someone like me and for some other agencies to counter because, um, basically when a client says they want X, but they're only willing to pay Y, I always come back and say for, for why this is what you can have. This is what we can deliver for why we can't deliver X because it would require more, but for the amount you want to pay, this is what we can deliver. But there are a lot of agencies out there and a lot of freelancers out there that just don't really feel comfortable talking about money in that way. Maybe they're not comfortable talking about what things cost because they're not really sure. Maybe they're new to that part of the business, right? And maybe they are not comfortable telling a client, no, they can't have something, but it will drive a creative firm nuts to have to deliver more for less money if a client puts them in that position. And having that conversation is never fun, but it's a relatively easy conversation to have. You you just need to say, this is what this costs. And if you want this, this is what you have to pay. Now, not all clients want to hear that, but at least it's honest, you know, at least it's, it's forthright. It's genuine. Um, some agencies will say yes, yes, yes to a client, no matter what they want, and then figure out a way to inflate the prices later. That is just not cool. You know, I know a lot of agencies that run themselves that way. I wouldn't do it. You know, I don't, I don't need that kind of, those kinds of shenanigans in my life. You know, I would like to be straight with clients and say, okay, I know you want this. This is what that costs. If this is how much money you have, this is what we can deliver. And that's honest, at least. Okay? Don't let that turn into a big, ugly thing. You know what I mean? Don't let that fester. That's that's a, that's a just a, a recipe for having to hire a new agency every three years. You don't want to do that. You are listening to Clienting, the podcast for anyone who wants to improve the state of the client-creative relationship. If you like Clienting, please tell a friend and visit us at client-ing.com and review us on iTunes. Now back to our show. All right, next up. It really drives us crazy when a client acknowledges the value of an idea. They actually say, I like this idea, but they're not brave enough to bring it up the chain of command and sell it in. Okay. That is, that's frustrating. Okay. If a client says, I like this idea, but I know my boss won't, or I like this idea, but there's no way I'm taking it upstairs because I don't want to lose my job. I think this idea is brilliant, but there's no way we're ever going to do it. That that's kind of crazy making right there. That will, uh, that will uh, send me screaming in the men's room after the meeting, you know, 
And there's an easy solution to this, you know, clients, if you, if you really believe in the idea, but you're afraid to sell it up the chain of command, bring your creative people with you, have them present it and, you know, provide as much air cover as you possibly can to that idea. But when you, and I know this is not always true, but if you're dealing with professionals up and down the chain of command, if you're dealing with people who are intelligent, a good creative team will be able to position an idea in a way that gets people excited about it. That's what, that's our job. You know, when we're selling you an idea, we do a good job and we would do the same good job if we were selling it to your boss or your boss's boss. Right? So, and if you're afraid to bring the creative people up to the 15th floor, you know, well, that's tough. That's tough. But at least be honest with your agency and tell them why, you know? Okay, next up. What drives us completely bonkers? This is a real simple one to solve, okay? But clients who schedule creative presentations on Monday morning, there's a special place in hell for you clients because the way that usually works out is someone ends up working over the weekend on your work. And some people don't mind doing that. Some people love doing that. But these days, it's kind of hard to get people to work on the weekends. And you might say, well, that's easy to solve. Just get all the work done by Friday evening. It doesn't work that way. It just doesn't work that way. Creative people work right up to the deadline. And also, if you've worked on something on Thursday and you put it to bed on Friday afternoon, you wake up Saturday morning, you know you have another idea that's better than the one you were going to present. So what do you do? Well, you, you text your art director and you say, hey, what if we did this? And then, you know, just before the football game's on on Sunday, you're both still at the office working on that third campaign, you know? So the easy solution is always schedule creative presentations, not for Friday, but for Thursday afternoons. Thursday afternoons are the perfect day for creative presentations because there's always an extra day in the week to refine the idea after the presentation. Oh, let's tweak this. Let's do that. And then you can go into your weekend thinking, oh, we did some good work this week. You know, that will not drive you crazy. That is actually a recipe for sanity going off to the weekend, knowing that you did a good job, not worrying about your work all through the weekend because you have to present it Monday morning. We have to have like a pact a sacred pact between client and agency, client and creative team. No creative presentations on Mondays. Okay? Thank you. I really appreciate your understanding on this. All right. I've talked about this before, so I won't go into too much detail. But one of the things that is easy to fix that drives creative people crazy is when clients are abrupt and they tell creative people how to do their work instead of asking questions about their work. When they say, I don't like purple, get rid of this purple. Instead of saying, hey, would it be, would it ruin this idea if we didn't make it purple? You know, I don't, I'm, I'm wondering if you think our target audience is really into purple. Is there a good reason for the purple? Because I'm thinking the purple might be a little crazy for this audience. Always better to ask a question than to make a statement that tells people what to do. Okay. Now, finally, the one thing that, and it's not just one thing, it's a, it's a, it's a bunch of little things. 
Okay. But one thing that drives creative people crazy is showing disrespect in a specific kind of way that is an obvious, petty power play of some kind. Okay. You're disrespecting the creative people, the agency, the team, the work in some very manipulative, obvious, petty power play. Let me give you an example. There are some clients that are late to every meeting, every single meeting. They're late because it sends the message that their time is more important than your time. That's one example. Okay. Now we are all late once in a while. I've been late to a bunch of meetings, but I'm not always late to every meeting. As a matter of fact, I'm usually always early to every meeting because I used to have a partner named John and John used to say, you know, when it comes to meetings, if you're not early, you're late, right? I love John for that. So, but clients who are always late and also, you know, colleagues who are always late to every meeting, it just shows a, a lack of respect for the people that are in that meeting that are, that you're making them wait, show some respect for them and leave the previous meeting early. Don't be late for every meeting. It's just, a, it's just a bad sign. You know, another little petty power play is when clients don't leave enough time for a presentation. Okay. They just leave you, give you 15 minutes to present the ideas and don't give you enough time to discuss the ideas, to talk them through, to make a decision. So not having it, not having a discussion after the presentation is another kind of petty power play. It's like, okay, I'm just going to take this work and I'll think about it. Thanks. That's disrespectful. All right. Have the discussion, make the time, respect the team, respect the work. It's as simple as that. Another petty power play is expecting agencies or creative teams to know things that they would have no business knowing, right? And then making them feel small for not knowing it, okay? Now, sometimes agencies don't do their homework and they can get caught in this trap. But, you know, sometimes clients have obscure policies within their organization that, or weird things that they think agencies should know, but they don't, you know, and it's not, it's not pointing out things that we don't know that is unnerving. It's making you feel small for not knowing them. That is the problem, you know? So let's just be nice to one another, you know, doesn't that make sense? Another little power play kind of thing is commoditization. Okay. It's treating your creative partner like they are an interchangeable part with every other creative partner out there, you know, and it can be, you know, you can treat your agency like they're just like every other agency, but they're not, they're your agency, right? Or you can treat a creative person like a copywriter or an art director as if they are interchangeable with every other copywriter and art director in the world. And that's not true either. You know, there are some truly brilliant, brilliant creative people out there that are definitely not interchangeable with anyone else. But clients often try to maintain a status level by making other people feel insignificant or less important. And that's not cool, right? Another way the clients tend to do this, this little petty power play is to bring up work they've done with other agencies and just sort of hint at the fact that this other agency is so much better than 
than the one they're currently working with. <laughs> um, I actually had a client do this on more than one occasion, you know, bring up work that this client had done with, you know, well-known ad agencies and, um, and just say straight out that, uh, you know, they're more expensive, but of course they're a better agency than you guys. And I wasn't in a position to fire that client. It wasn't my, it wasn't my agency. I wasn't the, I wasn't the boss there. This was not an agency that I founded or ran, but I can tell you that if it had been, it wouldn't have lasted very long. You know, we wouldn't have had to put up with that kind of ridiculousness, those, you know, petty power plays. And in, and the last thing, the last petty power play that, that irks creative people is when clients show irritation at failure. Okay. Now it's just not a fair thing to convey to your creative service firm because creativity in and of itself in its, at its essence is failure. Okay. It's swinging for the fences. Okay. Baseball players, if they hit the ball three out of 10 times, they're considered to be amazing batters, right? But they fail seven out of 10 times. Creative people have a much worse batting average than that. Okay. Because for every idea that gets sold, that for every idea that gets produced, we always show three campaigns at a minimum, sometimes five campaigns. But for every campaign that gets shown to a client, there's 15 or 20 other campaigns that are not shown to the client. So that one, that one ad that gets produced is really maybe somewhere between 10 and 5% of the total creative output of that creative team. Talk about failure when you fail 90% of the time, right? So if we show you, dear client, an idea that is a failure, maybe we're showing you that idea to make the other ideas look good, to show you the contrast, to show you the range that we could develop for you. But there are some clients that, show, that are irked when we don't show you all winning ideas. Not, all, not every idea can be a winning idea. Sometimes ideas need to get put out there because they need to be heard. They need to be an option that's on the table. Um, and so I don't think showing irritation toward your creative team for anything is really that productive, but showing irritation for failure is just showing that you don't understand the nature of creativity. Creativity is failure. It's swinging for the fences and missing most of the time. You know, that's what we do. And, you know, I don't know any other way to create good work than to fail a bunch of times until we come up with something that is not failing right? So those are the things, those are the things, dear client, that drive us a little crazy, right? I hope this has been helpful. I hope this helps you in the relationship you have with your creative team. I hope your creative team appreciates that I've sort of parted the curtain and let you in on what makes them crazy. Because this is universal, folks. This happens, this has happened in every creative environment that I've ever worked in. And I've worked in dozens dozens. And, you know, if I forgot one, I'd love to hear it. If you send me an email or zap, zap me a message on social media, I would love to add that to the list. You know, I'll bring it into the show notes or something, right? Because um, we love feedback. We love, love feedback. All right. So, but that's it. That's the list of things that drive us crazy. 
I'm glad we got this off our chests. Right, creative folks? Right, clients? I'm happy to have done this little public service for everyone. So until next time, this is Grant Sanders saying, be well. You've been listening to Clienting, the podcast for anyone who wants to improve the state of client-creative relationships. For more, visit us at client-ing.com and sign up to receive helpful info about making the work better. That's the goal, better work. The Clienting Podcast was produced by Ray McSriff with help from Scott Dork and edited by Bobson Dugnut and Willie Dustis. Technical support by Mike Truck. Music by Anatoly Smorin. Creative support from Sonny Sanders and Tony Smerick. Special thanks to Anson Sweeney and Kevin Nogilny and the amazing Lisa Furland. This is your host, Grant Sanders. See you next time.